0: Hey, Washington, D.C., spring is almost here, and now is the perfect time to get a healthy, pest-free lawn with your local experts at True Green, America's number one lawn care company. True Green's science-based approach will help give your lawn the year-round care it needs to be thick and weed-free. Go to truegreen.com radio to save 50% on your first service. Just call 877-461-0681 or go to truegreen.com radio today and get a lawn to be proud of. This is Julianne Condia, host of Rewritten. Thank you so much for listening to the following broadcast on Public House Media. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another week of the Food for Thought podcast. I am thrilled to be back as your host, Kylie Thompson. I am recording this super in advance. Today is Tuesday, and as you know, episodes don't come out until Monday. So I'm recording it almost a week in advance. Episode 11 was released yesterday, but I will be on vacation. So I am just recording this in advance so that everything's set up to go so I don't have to work while I am on vacation. And I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I've, like, never traveled anywhere. I never have been on a plane. There's a lot of stuff in my life that, like, I just haven't had the opportunity to do yet. And so I'm really excited to be traveling. It is a road trip just due to COVID. We don't want to be on a plane or anything like that. And uh, I'm going with my boyfriend, and it was very sweet. We thought about flying, but he doesn't want my first flight experience to be a negative one. So we just decided to road trip to North Carolina, which is my boyfriend's home state. And I am so excited. We have been together a year and a half and I've never met his family. So I'm going to go home and meet his mom and his siblings and his grandparents. And I've never seen a mountain. So that's like a huge reason why I wanted to go to as excited as I am to meet his family. I want to be in the mountains. I've always felt like that is where I need to go. I need to be there. I want to live somewhere that has mountains someday so I can just like go hike on a day off or do something fun like that. I love nature. I love being outdoors and I'm really excited to have this opportunity to go. And, you know, we can do all of the hiking and all the outdoor things while still remaining socially distant. So that was a perk of going right now as well. And yeah, so I will be in Ohio on... What day is today? Tuesday. So I'll be in Ohio on Wednesday and Thursday, and then I'm driving to North Carolina from there. So. I am excited. Send me love as I travel. I hope if you guys are traveling during this time that you're all staying safe and healthy. That's what I'm going to try to do as well. But enough about me. Let's get into the next episode of the Food for Thought podcast. I'm super excited to have Maddie Louder here today. So this episode was pre-recorded in like the middle of COVID as a lot of my episodes were. So we do address COVID for a minute. There was also some technical difficulties on some of the recording so this episode is in two parts like on my end I'm going to try and have it like seamlessly come together into one part through my editing but we will see how that works so if it does get a little weird or like we're giggling and just trying to make the best of it that's why um so yeah without further ado here is this week's episode featuring Maddie Louder. All right, good morning everyone. It is seven o'clock where Maddie is today. How are you Maddie, bright and early?
1: Oh, we are here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, how have you been during quarantine and COVID-19 and all of that stuff? How's everything going?
1: It's been crazy. I'm i kinda going a little stir crazy actually, speaking of crazy, because you know, you, you can't really get out and about. Um, I've been able to at least go for walks. I have a six month old puppy, so we go for walks daily and Aww. he loves them, but I now understand why dogs get so excited to get out of the house on their walks. So seriously, yeah, I definitely learned that like planning is not one of those things that should be happening, especially in this time and you just go with the flow. So yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: thank you so much for waking up early. It's nine o'clock for me, but you said it's seven for you. Oh, yes.
1: We have a giant oh. cup of coffee sitting oh. next oh, to me right goodness.
0: now. <laughs> God love you, cuz. Dang, that's early. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, why don't we just dive right in? And before we dive into your social impact initiative, just tell everyone a little bit about yourself, whether it involves pageantry or not.
1: Oh, where do I start? Uh, let's see. I, I guess I'll start with my Miss America journey and just how I got into this realm of things. So I went to school at Oklahoma City University, and I don't know if you know anything about that school, but it's a really big pageant school, although they don't like to term that. I mean, you walk into their music school building, and there is an entire wall of queens. There's just portraits and headshots covering the wall of, of crown shots, basically. And so we call it the Hall of Hair. And (laughs) that kind of inspired me when I first went there. I was like, oh my gosh, I want to be on that wall. And it's any state title holder or national title holder that is up on that wall. So if I want to get up there, I got to be a national or state title holder. But um, we do have a school pageant that my roommate right now is currently actually um, the, the title holder for Miss Oklahoma City University. And I wanted to compete for that my freshman year while I was at school. I wasn't eligible because I'm not originally from Oklahoma. So I had to wait until those eligibility requirements um, kind of fit into my realm of things. And that meant that I either had to be enrolled in six months of school or lived there for six months. So the next year came around, decided I wanted to compete in that. I competed. I got bit by the pageant bug. You've probably heard that before on this oh, podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I started the, the journey kind of just seeing and being inspired by other title holders and then kind of wanting to jump into that. So uh, it just it tells a lot about the organization saying that there's there's women in this organization that are inspiring and are encouraging and want you to be a part of it. So that that says a lot. Uh, while I was at Oklahoma City University though, I started in their entertainment business program as a dance major. And this kind of this kind of stirs into or spurs into my eating disorder story as well. But um, while I was there, the dance school is not the most healthy environment, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, they, they do weigh their dancers in short, and they weigh their dancers three times a semester, which is not good for a perfectionist like me. So uh, I decided halfway through school to switch my major to psychology um, after I decided to seek help for my own eating disorder. And that all being said, I am behind one more semester. So I will graduate in December this year, which is super exciting. But... um, yeah, I I would say that like I through my undercover I discovered myself more and I kind of realmed into the world of what does Maddie like and what does Maddie want to do and that includes photography and I love doing photography on the side and I love baking which I wouldn't allow myself to do while I was in my, the realms mm-hmm. of my eating disorder and I love to go for hikes and being in nature and not necessarily doing exercises that will kill me at the gym but doing things that are Cut filling and soul filling and, um, yeah. So I guess it's a little bit about me as you got some of my story in there too, but. Yeah,
0: definitely. So can you tell me a little bit more about what it was like to be a dancer and be a dancer that, you know, it was a requirement that you be weighed. I've talked to a couple other dancers on and off the podcast about situations like this. Um, and a girl just messaged me that's in the Miss Wisconsin circuit a couple of days ago. And she was telling me that when she was a dancer for a professional dance team, that they weighed you. And if you weren't, certain weight, then you were not a dancer for them, which just like blows my mind because I can't dance. I have two left feet. I know nothing about
1: the (laughs) dance world. So can
0: you just dive into that a little bit more?
1: Yeah. uh, So when I first auditioned at their program, I knew that um, I was walking into that. And I didn't think anything of it because I never really looked at myself in a negative way or had a poor body image. Um, I just ate what I want that fueled my body so that I was able to dance. Of course, doing that isn't exactly eating the rabbit food that they want you to eat while you're there. And when I stepped on the scale, I was 18 pounds heavier than what they wanted me to be. And you have to put it in the perspective of they want you to look a certain way, not necessarily weigh a certain way. Mm -hmm. And the same thing goes either way. No one should be telling you what you should weigh and no one should be telling you you, which is your body, what your body should be looking like. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really process that in my mind until I took a step back from the program, but there's so many people in that program that are still getting weighed three times a semester. Um, Even during COVID, I had a friend who was graduating this semester, and as a performance major in the dance school, they are required to have a weight. They can't graduate unless they reach a certain weight that they um, they need to graduate, and that weight is determined on the weight that you were when you first come to school. So it might be lower, or it might be a couple pounds heavier, depending on how they think your dance abilities are based on what you weigh, which in the grand scheme of things, weight is not a big influencer on how good you are as a dancer, like yeah. at all. So I, I understand that like they're, they say that they want to do it in a healthy way. So it's encouraging a healthy lifestyle, but weight maintenance, maintenance, isn't the only factor that plays into a healthy lifestyle Mm -hmm. at all. There's so many other things. Um, there's other factors to look into when you're going through recovery and you're working with a dietitian, they look at so many other things than Mm -hmm. your weight. So I definitely think, um, it really impaired me as a dancer because when I was in the school, I was uh, suffering from anorexia nervosa and, um, I wasn't fueling my body the way I should. So I wasn't having the energy to dance and I'd get lightheaded all the time. Um, I never actually passed out cause I caught myself and I was like, Oh, I should probably eat something. But eating something was like maybe three almonds, you know, something small like that. Um, so I, I knew that, it wasn't healthy for me whatsoever. Um, and so when I decided and I knew that, okay, something is wrong. I do not have a healthy relationship with food. I do not have a healthy relationship with my body. And I uh, found help in a therapist. Um, we kind of talked through the environment that I was putting myself in, um, weighing myself was a trigger. So I knew that stepping on a scale every three times a semester was not helping me or benefiting me in any way. So I decided to leave the program because of the environment, which was so hard to do because I love dance. I still love dance, mm-hmm. but stepping away from that toxic relationship helped me rebuild a healthy relationship with it. Definitely.
0: And do you still dance? Um, is that your pageant competition talent as well?
1: Yeah, I okay. definitely still dance right now. I'm dancing in my garage. Love so, it. Love it. We have nowhere else to go.
0: Yeah. Well, that just like like I said I have no experience in the dance world at all and that's so mind-blowing to me that people think that what you weigh or even what you look like has any effect on your dancing capability because mm-hmm. if someone that has two left feet, I know it's not because of what I weigh, it's because <laughs> I just can't dance. I'm just not gifted in that way. Like I just I just can't imagine that. And kudos to you for being able to step back from that and realize that that was a really toxic thing for you and really Change the trajectory that your life was going into, like, literally, career wise. Like, that's got to be, or at the time, it probably felt like a huge
1: sacrifice. Oh my gosh, it was a huge sacrifice. And I I mean, I had never taken a psychology class in my life when I decided to switch majors, like at all. Everyone thought it was crazy. My mom's like, are, are you kidding me? Like, what, what do you want to do? Um, but I just was like, I'm taking the sleep of faith. I feel like this is what I need to be doing. And I felt so much freedom when I broke free from that toxic relationship in the program that I was in. It was ridiculous. And I I have not stepped on a scale it was unless I go to like a doctor's appointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I weigh you every time you go to a doctor's appointment, but have not stepped on a scale since. And it's, it's been so freeing to know that my worth is not defined by a number and a relationship with gravity. It's, it's just naughty. That's who I am. And I can be a dancer. I can be a photographer. I can be a singer if I really wanted to, although I'm not a good singer. So <laughs> like, it's not, it's not defined by how I look or what I weigh
0: definitely. And so with the psychology major, you said that you graduate in December. Um, do you foresee your career going in like an eating disorder recovery type of way or what do you want to do with your psychology degree?
1: Uh, yes. Yeah, so I, when I started seeking a therapist and, um, she just helped me so much that I sat there and I was like, this is what I want to do. This is the missing link to my life basically. And I, I feel like I am supposed to help others in the way that she helps heal my life. So when I switched to psychology, I sat down with the, the, um, advisor of the program. is like, this is what I want to do. I want to be an eating disorder recovery specialist. I want to be a clinical psychologist. I want to better this world in some way. And I want to be a part of your program. And she was like, okay, let's sign you up. And she was super excited because the psychology department at OCU is pretty small. <clears throat> so, um, gaining more people in their program is just an added plus. So um, right now, I, my social impact is actually feeding hope, eating disorder awareness, but it's helped me prepare myself for grad school. So without my social impact, I would have never um, found the job that I'm working at currently, that I just started a few days ago. That was I, my next question: <laughs> was What are you
0: doing? So I know we were emailing about it.
1: Yes, that's that's one of the reasons why we rescheduled too. <laughs> uh, but so I work at Opal Food and Body Wisdom, which is nice that they, they titled it that way specifically because you don't have to say like, oh, I'm going to eating disorder recovery to treatment today. You're going to Opal. And that's just a nice way of p- putting less pressure on yourself because it's a hard thing to explain to your friends what you're going through. Um, But what I'm doing there is I'm an on-call milieu therapist. So I am kind of there supervising client activities throughout the day when they're in their partial hospitalization program or in their intensive outpatient program. So we'll eat meals with the clients at the table and just model good eating behaviors and um, model our healthy relationship with food, help them build a relationship with food that they kind of figure out who they are. And the whole basis of OPAL is attunement with your body and figuring out what kind of eater you are. So I love it because it's so different than so many other eating disorder treatment programs out there in the fact that like you can teach someone how to eat, but that's not building a necessarily good relationship with food in their body. You have to dig deeper than the surface and look at the emotional effects of what their eating disorder did or like what triggered their eating disorder in the first place. So sitting in on a couple group sessions too, and just kind of being there with the clients and helping facilitate those conversations. um, that has really helped me gain a perspective into like, yeah, this is what I want to be doing with the rest of my life. And even though I'm not certified and licensed yet as a psychologist, I will be. And this was kind of just solidifying that I am I'm going down the right path and I'm taking the right steps forward to the career that I want to do. So it's it's just really, really cool to know, like, I feel like I'm helping people in a way that I want to be helping people. So I just started that last Monday, basically. So I've been there a week. Um, and my, my schedule is pretty flexible since I'm on call. We have on call milieu therapists and then milieu therapists. So it's kind of like an on call nurse where like hmm. if they get called in, they get called in for work. Sure. So yeah, I, I love it. It's been great. The community is great. People are great. So.
0: That's awesome. And this is kind of a question because I've been thinking about my own career path. And I graduated actually a year ago yesterday. And I am still kind of trying to figure out what the heck I want to do. Um, despite having a degree, I'm like, okay, where where is my life taking? I think everyone is. Yeah, which is like, I, I took a job in the financial world. I have a communication and media studies degree. So I took a job with a credit union and I lasted three months. I was like, financial world is not for me. Um, but now I've been thinking a lot about if with a communication and media studies degree, I could do something in the eating disorder realm. Um, despite not having anything to do with psychology or anything like that. But my biggest worry, I guess, with wanting to go into that career, and I don't know if this is something you worry about too, is just like, is being around that all the time going to be triggering? And like, do you have experience with that? Or is that something you've thought about while getting ready to go into that
1: world? So I was actually doing a uh, speaker, a, a panel speaking event a while back. And uh, a lot of people in this field actually have struggles and have their own Mm -hmm. recovery story, which is really cool to know. Um, But I would say that being a part of this environment at Opal has actually helped deepen my recovery even more. So it's not triggering at all. And I've, I've talked that through a lot with, like, my therapist in the past, and um, she was like, you know what, like, that's, that's yours to gauge, but while I was on the speaking panel, someone actually asked that. They're like, mm-hmm. I really want to go into this field, but, like, I'm scared that that might be triggering for me as well. Do you have any experience with that? And one of the other therapists on the panel was saying that, um, like, they, they know that, from a personal experience that it can be triggering because she was a dancer and she grew up and she struggled with her body image and Mm -hmm. eating disorder. And she said that you learn the coping mechanisms that are good for you and you learn what doesn't work for you. And you figure that out on your own path from there. You grow stronger in your recovery each day and you know like okay that's going to be triggering so you take a step back from that or if that's something that you can lean into you lean into so you you have to gauge that in your own way but Mm -hmm. going through the process of recovery and finding full recovery is going to give you the ability to find the strength to do that so I I would say like from your perspective going into like a marketing standpoint of it I don't I don't think it would be as triggering as working Mm -hmm. with um, hands-on-hands clients
0: yeah yeah, that's something I've been, and even when I was in the process of creating the podcast and like before the months before the first couple of episodes launched, I was like, "Is this something that I can commit to?"
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow, like I've I've been in recovery since like two thousand and twelve, so I know I have a grapple on it. I know I've got it figured out a little bit, but I'm like, something could happen, and I could just feel like I'm unable to do it. So I I've been wondering that in the, in the regard of my career too. So that was actually really helpful. Those little personal questions. (laughs) Maybe I can figure out what I'm doing with my life once it's are allowed outside again. Jeez. Yeah, we all figure that out. Um, And then we haven't talked much about your social impact initiative yet. So why don't you
1: talk about that? Tell
0: me all about it. I'm excited.
1: Oh, it's my baby. I love it so much. Uh, Feeding Hope Eating Disorder Awareness is the name of my social impact initiative. And it's all about just helping others aid in recovery. And Aids is a three-letter acronym. It stands for Acknowledge, Intervene, and Discuss. So Acknowledge is just acknowledging the signs and symptoms. So I go into schools, I talk to parents, I talk to sororities, just helping them understand what the signs and symptoms of eating disorders are. Because that's the first first step for family members and friends to notice that there's something up. And if you're not paying attention to these, these signals, um, you could be letting your friend or family members continue to waste away. So that's, that's, a and then I, which is intervene, is the intervene process. So the, the starting a, a recovery process, basically giving them resources that they can go to, whether that be the National Eating Disorders Association screening tool on their website, or if that's um, you know taking them to a therapist as a family member. That was the weirdest
0: thing <laughs> I've ever experienced. I could hear you just fine, and but like you're video was being weird and then it just completely my computer like shut off and it's charged it's got wi-fi I don't know what happened anyway we were talking about aid that was so weird I'm not over that um we were talking about the aid method in regard to your social impact initiative and I heard about acknowledge
1: and intervene So we'll talk about discuss. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) So discuss is continuing the conversation of eating disorder recovery in the community. And that is through going to speak to schools and doing lessons with them. A lot of times when I go into elementary school classrooms, I'll talk about mindfulness and practicing just self-awareness, which is kind of a hard concept to get when you're younger. And talking about emotions too. I noticed later on in my years in life, that when I was a kid, I was never really allowed to process emotions. When I got angry, I got yelled at. So um, really like saying, emotions are okay to feel. I wish we would educate parents on allowing their kids to feel emotions because if you feel emotions as a younger child, you're going to be able to cope with more things when you get older into your adult years and when you're transitioning into college and things of that sort. But anyway, um, so going to schools and speaking about um, my we're just advocating for mindfulness and awareness and kindness and caring for ourselves um, in middle school and high school and in college. That looks more like talking about the signs and symptoms of eating disorders and advocating sharing my story, things of that sort. Um, I also help plan events. Um, I worked in Oklahoma with the Oklahoma Eating Disorders Association and have helped them plan Walking with Worth, which is a fashion show promoting all shapes and sizes of bodies, all backgrounds, ethnicities, Love gender, that. Um, just promoting body positivity. And it's also a huge fundraiser for them Um, I've also helped plan conversations with hope, which is just providing hope to those who have um, been through recovery or going through recovery or have had a loved one die from an eating disorder. So just talking about, again, conversations of hope, surrounding hope and providing hope. And then I personally like to fundraise for Project Heal because they help fund treatment plans for um, those in recovery because treatment's expensive, but yeah, so expensive, especially if you're going to an inpatient facility or a hospitalized facility. Um, it's just so pricey and to get the care that you need, it, it bites into the budget a lot. So mm-hmm helping raise funds for Project Heal and helping them advocate for full recovery. Um, And then lastly, just advocating on social media as much as I can, sharing my story and bringing light to the issue. I know that so many family members and friends of mine have reached out to me saying, when I first came out about my eating disorder, Saying that they struggled too, but they could never put a name to it, and they were too scared to. So, I encourage anyone out there who is struggling with an eating disorder or has been through recovery um, to share your story and share your journey because it provides so much hope for other people mm-hmm. who may not know what they're going through or don't know who to go to when they're going through what they're going through. So, sh- keep sharing. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep listening to Kylie's podcast. <laughs> Do it. Yeah.
0: And going so kind of I'm I'm sorry, my mind is like mentally foggy right now. Um okay. <laughs> going back to before you were competing in the pageant world, um, were you advocating for eating disorder awareness prior to competing in the Miss America
1: organization? No. So when I started in the Miss America organization, I actually my platform was called Love. L-O-V-E, also an acronym. I love acronyms. Yes. It stands for Love Ourselves, Value, Encouragement, and it's all about self-love and self-care and very, like, fluffy kind of almost sure. teen, teen platform. You know, you you don't know what to do when you first get into the organization, so you have to start somewhere. Um, and so I... I didn't really struggle with an eating disorder before I got into the organization. I didn't realize my signs and symptoms, even though, you know, when I started college, yeah, I was definitely in the depths of an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, so just kind of bringing, bringing my own acknowledgement to it allowed me to develop the platform to where it is now. And I'm like gung ho passionate about it now and advocating for it. But when I, when I was younger and before I did the program, I, you know, I, didn't even know what an eating disorder was, so. mm-hmm. right?
0: And I always ask Patrick girls this: I don't know about your timeline of when you started competing. So, did you compete in Miss America
1: 1.0? Yes. So okay. every year I've been in the Miss America organization, things have changed. So the first oh gosh, year, gosh, you poor thing! School. I know it's crazy. So first year was old school 1.0. Next year was 2.0, and then this year COVID happened. So what the heck? Oh no! <laughs> Yeah.
0: So So what was it like competing in the swimsuit
1: competition while trying to
0: overcome your eating disorder?
1: I definitely say it wouldn't encourage it or it Mm -hmm. wouldn't encourage recovery by any means. And at at that point I hadn't found a therapist and I hadn't acknowledged my signs and symptoms. I, I remember going to a personal trainer because that's what everyone in Oklahoma did was go to a personal trainer and Mm -hmm. try to get in the best shape that they possibly could. Um, and I remember sitting down in front of him and said, like, I struggled with an eating disorder. I was still struggling with an eating disorder, but I, I mm-hmm. thought like me being independent me, I was like, I, I got this. I solved this. This is, this is over and done with in the past. I don't track my calories anymore. I don't control my food consumption anymore. All lies. But, uh, I told myself and I believed it. So uh, when I was walking on stage in the swimsuit portion, I was never confident in my body, no matter what it looks like. And that's why when I finally started seeking recovery, I was like, you know what, if you're in a smaller body, if you're in a larger body, if you're in any size body, it doesn't matter as long as you can love yourself where you're at in that body. Because like, those who are struggling with an eating disorder or, or know the, the feeling of being in an eating disorder, you're never happy with what your body looks like during that time. And you can try as hard as you can to to find acceptance, but until you make the choice to accept your body where you're at in that current moment in time, you're not going to. So, When I took a step back from the trainer, I learned in my life, every time you take a step back, you learn so much more. Um, When you take a step back from the trainer, and I realized that what I was taught through that process was also not healthy and not um, benefiting my recovery, that's when I was like, okay, I'm really glad that swimsuit is gone, Mm -hmm. because then we're judged less on our appearance. And granted, you have to know that you're competing in a pageant, so appearance is still a part of the job. Like There's the little girls out there that want to see a pretty girl on the ground. And that's just, that's how it is. But I mean, I've never met a girl in this organization who isn't gorgeous from Mm -hmm. the inside out. And it just glows through their skin. So knowing like that beauty comes from within and it's a more wholesome beauty than just an external appearance, which the swimsuit portion put on us as a pressure. I I think it's just more... the Miss America organization has more to offer because of that now. Mm
0: -hmm. I totally agree. Yeah. And it's been so interesting conducting these interviews with pageant girls and like hearing their perspective on it. Cause I know I've talked to some girls that were like, I didn't compete because there was swimsuit. And now that we got rid of it, I'm here and I'm rocking and rolling. And there are girls that have been crushing it in the pageant world. And all it took was Miss America making that one decision for them to come in and begin to flourish in the program but then I've talked to girls too who loved swimsuit despite like their eating disorder recovery um journey and so it's just been really fascinating to like hear how girls feel about that and because I competed I've been competing since 2014 so it's just like I've I've seen it all too I've seen yeah. the bad the ugly the COVID all of it <laughs> um and I remember like when Swimsuit, when they got rid of it, I was, like, I was just confused. I was, like, the, the tradition of it more so was what I was a little bit concerned about Miss America losing. Um, yeah, yeah since sure. Yeah, but since competing with and without Swimsuit, like, without is so much better. I love it. I'm, like, yeah. there's so much less to stress about. And I want to you know. eventually have an entire episode about it, um, just because, like, I don't know. And I don't know if this happened to you too, but once they got rid of swimsuit, like my entire mindset changed. I was like, whoa, like I don't have, I don't have to like, not that I had to before, like in my mind, I don't have to go to the gym this many times a week because I'm not being judged on that anymore. I can, I felt more comfortable sizing up in evening gown if I needed to or stuff like that, just because it was like, it was just a whole factor of competition that mm. I had put so much pressure on myself for that once yeah. they got rid of it, I was like, dang. It's like I can yeah. actually spend, a, a, you know, that hour I would have spent thinking about what I look like in my swimsuit. I can put that in an interview prep or I can put that into my walking patterns or anything else more constructive than worrying about what I look like in my swimsuit on stage.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I, I talked to a lot of the girls in Oklahoma because that's where I was, still was. At the time, I'm, I'm in Washington now for okay. anyone who's like, where the heck is she? Yeah, Maybe <laughs> all these places across the United States. Um, I'm in Washington now. But when I was still in Oklahoma for school, I was talking to some of the other girls there. And I mean, these girls were spending maybe two hours doing cardio a day, another hour and a half doing weightlifting a day. And then, of course, they had all this meal prep. So that's like five hours a day that they spent on yeah. prepping for the swimsuit portion. And I felt when I didn't have to do all that prep, but I started finding more mindful exercises for me, like yoga. And I'm yes. a cure bar instructor um, and going on hikes or going on a bike ride, going for a walk, things that were more mindful and more fitting for me. I first found more peace with my body, but I also found more time to put into prepping for my social impact and developing that more and being in the community more mm-hmm. and, you know, listening to podcasts like yours and educating myself on more and how I could help others. So, you know, that's really easy to do if you're going up for a walk and listening to a podcast. Yes, so. yes, totally agree. Oh my goodness. I- The shift could not have come at a better time and it could not have been better for the organization.
0: Yeah. And I know, despite all the craziness with Miss America right now, I'm like, you know, swimsuit changes, I'm cool with. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And okay, so I like to get a little bit pageanty with the girls that compete at the end of our interview. And so this episode's going to air around June, um, the end of June, so this would be old news by then. But Miss America just announced that there will be no 2020 competition, and instead all competitions will be held in 2021. How does that make you feel? Like what... Because you were getting ready to compete at state, correct?
1: Right. I... Was talking to my parents about this um, because you know when you can't afford groceries right now because of COVID, uh, you go quarantine with your parents.
0: Yep, um, yep. <laughs> and
1: I was I was just I was happy and relieved that um, for a pageant answer I would say that they put the 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 health and the safety of our candidates in mind first. But I was mostly just this happy and relieved because I still have one more semester left of school. Mm -hmm. So I can finish that last semester online, check that school box off the list, and then like really pour my heart and soul into this next year of competing. And I also am so excited because, you know, I have been in school in Oklahoma for the past four years. And I was so ready to come back to Washington. But I needed I, I wanted to settle in here more uh, before I like poured my heart and soul into competing for the state that I love. So um this the shift was like, thank you for just like letting that happen. That was yeah. fantastic. Um but I have also learned through this, like through COVID in general over the past month, I, I kind of saw the the change coming. Um So I was like, you know, we're just going to lead into it. And, and if I've learned anything through my recovery process, like we do hard things in recovery, we Mm -hmm. have to challenge our biggest fears in recovery. So lean into it and you'll, you'll find so much more peace with it. So leading into this change, I was like, you know what, we're just going to go with the flow. be chill, we'll let it happen, um, but lean into everything in life, to be quite honest, because it makes it so much
0: better. Yeah, that's such a positive outlook on the whole situation, and, like, the way you were thinking about COVID, I was, like, the complete opposite. I was, like, I know the Olympics have been canceled. I know there's no sports. I know school. I have a 13-year-old sister. She hasn't been in school since the middle of March. Like, I was oh like my I know all this stuff is canceled, but, like, Miss America prevails. I was like, there will be a Miss Wisconsin and there will be a Miss America. So help me God. So when I got the email from our state director saying that it wasn't, I was like blindsided. I was like, what? They're canceling everything. Uh, but over the last, it's been, what day is today? It's been almost a week since I've known. Um, and leaning into it is like the best advice because the first like 24 hours i was a freaking mess i was like this sucks i don't know what i'm going to do um and now like i woke up the next day i made myself kind of like you said i did some yoga i went for a walk i listened to podcasts all day i was like okay i need to like accept this the grieving process yeah. is done i need to just accept this yeah. um and now like you, I have just such a more positive outlook on it. It took a minute for me to get there. But yeah, I was just curious on what your opinion was with it because it's yeah. it's a hot topic in the pageant world right now. <laughs>
1: Well, and it's, funny, it's funny that you mentioned that too, because I'm like, all these state pageants that were like set in certain, Washington didn't even had a, have a date yet set for 2020. So oh, wow. I'm pretty sure our directors are, are really relieved moving forward too, which I'm like, you guys, they work so hard in everything they do. And I mean, Seattle area is normally where we, we hold the pageant, but the, like our host hotel was actually uh, being transformed into COVID relief for first responders. So that's oh, wow. where they could go stay um and quarantine if they needed to so they weren't infecting their their families That's really so awesome. like we had like a lot of big changes in the area so they were just trying to scramble and find some place to hold the competition this year so i'm sure they're relieved to know that we can push it back until the summer of 2021 and kind of take a breath off our shoulders it can be more similar to what we normally see in the state pageant instead of having to shift everything yeah, but I, I'm feeling it out there for all the girls who are like, ready to compete and have worked so hard for this. And I mean, in some states, it's like, do or die prep for these state. Pageants. Yeah, so when when the news got shifted, it's like the post pageant blues hit so much harder. So much. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. One for me, I so the title that I have right now in Wisconsin, I worked for four years to get the title. So initially yeah. it was like it was February 1st, I was crowned, and then one month later, COVID happened. I was that was, been, too, yeah. Been, yeah, and I was like, I, I felt like it was some kind of sick joke, like the universe was like, you can have it, but you can't do anything with it. And I was just feeling very like, woe is me, just kind of mad. I was like, you've gotta be kidding me. Like I worked so hard for all of this to be shut into my house and it's May 13th. So Miss Wisconsin should be in about a month. Um, And so then it was pushed back to August and I was like, okay, being positive, I was like, I have more time to work on my social impact. Um, if things open back up, I have time to go out in the community and just kind of trying to think on the bright side. And then they were like, nope, June, 2021. I was like, what? It's like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, but now for me, I, my local directors helped me through this a lot. I called them and it was like, is this like April Fool's, but late? Like what, (laughs) it's like, what's going on? Um, But they helped me put it into perspective and just being like, yeah, I worked for four years to have this title and now I get to represent for two years. So that's really cool for me too. And I'm sure you feel the same way. Like getting that little bit of extra time is definitely going to be nice, even though it took me a second to get there. I told, and I always understood why it was happening. I was just like mad about it. And I, I, my mom was like, there's people literally dying from COVID. I was like, I know, but Miss Wisconsin. And then once I said all of that, I was like, okay. You're like, oh. I know. I was like, okay, we need to take You're a step like, back. Oh. We, need to, we need to think about the grand scheme of things. And I don't know if your state's doing this, but Wisconsin is holding some virtual pageants. They announced it yesterday. Really? Yeah, they're doing actually via Zoom. So I hope what happened to us in our interview doesn't happen to them. But... <laughs> They announced they oh, we yeah, don't have a yeah. ton of information, but they're gonna conduct it via Zoom. Obviously people won't be able to watch, but then they're gonna stream the 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 virtual crowning, I guess, and the results and stuff like that. So I'm kind of excited to live in a time where that's happening and like I get to see it all unfold. And maybe one day when I have kids and they're learning about this in history class, we'll be like, Yeah, we did it, we did pageants online. We <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, so to put us back on track for just a second, (laughs) um, I just always like to ask Padgett girls a little bit more (laughs) pageant questions. Um, Do you have anything to leave us with in regards to food for thought? Do you have any things for us to sit and chew on while we're in quarantine that you want to leave anyone with? Oh my goodness,
1: I've been chewing on this for a while now because I saw this this quote once and it was saying, it said, uh, what if... One day, every woman in the world decided that they were good enough in their body and how they looked and how they felt. Could you imagine how many industries would go out of business? And I was just like, whoa. Because Mm -hmm. there are so many businesses out there in the world that benefit from telling women they're not enough. And that could be in their skincare. That could be in how their body is. That could be in them as a mom, like whatever that may be for them. We are told every single day that we are not enough. So we keep striving for more and we keep buying products to make us more of enough. Mm -hmm.
0: Wow. That just like, that was quite the mic drop moment. Oh my goodness. (laughs) That- I think about that in regards to, like, cosmetics. Oh, um, yeah. I spend so much money on my makeup. It's Same. it's embarrassing. I moved in with my boyfriend in April, and I don't think he realized, like, how much makeup and, like, stuff like that I had. And as we were moving in, he's like, hmm, okay. Like, didn't realize how much it was. But, yeah, all of those industries. The
1: bathroom. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. We had to install, like I'm looking at my bathroom right now. We had to install like shelves on the wall for all my stuff because it was, it's a little ridiculous, (laughs) but like the makeup and hair, like dyeing your hair, um, the like weight loss industry, the diet industry, my mind goes to like Victoria's Secret, Mm -hmm. like all those industries that just make women feel inadequate. So if they buy the product to make themselves feel maybe a little bit better, that's such a good point.
1: Yeah. yeah Oh my goodness. It just makes me, it makes my wheels turn in my brain every single time I think about it. Yeah. But then I also think, like, I'm buying into that. Mm hmm. Great marketing tactics on their part because I'm buying Um, into it. Tell that to
0: everything that I have bought during quarantine (laughs) so far that's supposed to be showing up on my doorstep in a couple of days. I'm like, oh. hmm, Oh
1: my goodness.
0: Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Maddie, it was so great talking to you. I'm sorry we had some technical difficulties, but you prevailed. You did great. So <laughs> thank you so
1: much. Thanks for having me. Anytime. I always love, love chatting about recovery and advocating for it. So thanks Definitely. for having me on here.
0: Yeah. Anytime. So- all right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Food for Thought podcast. I will see you all next week. Bye guys.